Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, guys, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, and that is a book called Taking Back My Life. Rebecca Gregory is often referred to as a victim of the Boston Marathon bombing, but she refuses to see herself as a victim. She is a survivor. Taking Back My Life is the story of Rebecca who has had so much to overcome, including the amputation of her leg from that painful day on April 15, 2013, when a terrorist bomb changed her life. But her memoir also shows how Rebecca is a lot like you and me. Her life before the bombing was not always easy, and it took the attack to help her find the focus and spiritual direction she needed. You can find out more about Rebecca at RebeccaMGregory.com. Her book, Taking Back My Life, is available everywhere you buy books. You can check it out over my webpage as well if you're looking for it. Guys, you're listening to episode number 134, and my guest is Tish Oxenreiter. Tish is the author of Notes from a Blue Bike and Organized Simplicity, and the founder of the community blog, The Art of Simple. She's got an awesome podcast, The Simple Show, and her most recent book, At Home in the World, releases this April. Today, we talked about the realistic ways that families can travel the world with kids, why the value is there, her kids' favorite places to visit, re-entry, her new puppy, and the 1935 cottage that they are renovating and living in at the same time. I loved having her on the show, and literally, it made me ready to grab my passport, all my kids' passports, and hit the road. If you've traveled a lot, we'd love to hear about it. Show us a picture of you on your travels on Instagram and tag us. I'm at Jamie Ivy, and Tish is at Tish Oxenrider. There's actually no I in her name, so it's just T-S-H. Isn't that cool? Check out her Instagram now to see all the lovely Hawaii pics where her family just went, and of course, puppy pics as well. Guys, speaking of Instagram, I love Instagram. It's my favorite social media, so make sure you're following me over there. Also, in the middle of the show, I'm going to break in and tell you about a survey that I need you to take. It's super important. And over on Instagram, if you take the survey, leave me a comment, and you're going to be in the running for something really, really cool. So go follow me on Instagram and check out the survey so you can help us over here at the happy hour. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Tish. Hey, Tish, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. I love the show. So I'm so excited to be here. You're so kind. I just love having you on because it's fun to have another podcaster on the show. I know. I get what you do. I know what it's like to talk to someone else over the internet with a mic in front of you. Yes. Okay. So people often ask me this question. So I'm going to ask you this question. When you interview people for the show, do you do it on Skype? I do. Yeah. Okay. And then do you see their face or no? No. And it always throws me for a loop when someone wants to do that. <laughs> me too. Because I like I, look like I just got out of bed. Oh, yeah. 99% of the time, I am not wearing makeup. My hair is <laughs> in a bun. And I sometimes I'm wearing my pajamas still. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not supposed to see me. What I know. I know. <laughs> I don't see people's faces either. And you can tell me why you don't. I don't do it because I think I get a better recording because it's not having to bring in video. 
Um, and actually, I feel like I do a better job listening and thinking about as like controlling the show if I can't see them. Yeah, my thing is, I feel like I understand the listener's point of view better. You know, oh, sometimes you're talking. True. Yeah, like if you're talking via video, you don't even realize sometimes you're you're starting to just focus in on the other person without considering how does a sound to everybody else listening. So that's why I do it because it keeps me focused. Well, you're clearly a professional because that I've <laughs> never thought of that. And that is brilliant. So <laughs> listeners, there you go. Tish is on your side. Um, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, how long have you been podcasting? Oh, like dinosaur. I'm a dinosaur in the podcasting world since 2011. Oh, my so word. I know, six years. It's amazing. That is, like, I always say, like, you know, I got into podcasting at such a great time. Um, and I didn't know much about podcasting when I got, got in. But then you meet every once in a while, you're like, oh, you meet someone that's been doing it for a lot longer. And that's exciting to know that you're still doing it <laughs> for me. I just heard. I just heard from a listener who has been listening to podcasts since 2005. I didn't even know they were a thing. Back I didn't then. either. I'm like, you knew about podcasts? What? That's so weird. Yeah, for me, the the thing is my show has had different iterations. It started off as one thing and then it became another thing. And now we're on the third, you know, version of it. So when somebody looks at it and they see we're on episode 60, whatever, they think, oh, maybe not that long. But really, I've been doing it forever. Can people still get all your old shows? Sort of. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not in charge of the older ones. That's that's the clean break that happened okay. is I decided to go on my own without a particular network I was part of. So I don't have any control over that. So people will email me saying, I want to listen to that one. And I'm like, you know, I would love to find it for you. It's there's somewhere in the ether of the Internet. Right. It's <laughs> out there. You have to really dig. Yeah. Internet space. It's yeah. there. Well, yeah. I it's been fun to, you know, someone that just got into podcasting. I say just like, you know, almost three years ago. But compared to you and other people, um, it's been fun to kind of watch and learn. And so it's yeah, been good. You know, you learn more as you do it. I know. I, I'm still I'm still learning. In some ways, I feel like I'm a newbie. I still Google all sorts of things. I feel like I should know this by now. But well, you know, and I'm the kind of person with whatever I do, I get in a rut of how I do things. And then all the new things happen every single month. There's like a new thing. And I'm like, I can't do it all. I got to stick with what I know. Oh, I know. I know. I'm sure there's a better way to do it than what I do, but oh, well, <laughs> it works. I, I'm good with what I do. It works. It works. Um, okay. So you're, an, I'm going to say that you're an Austinite as well. You're north of Austin um, in Georgetown. Do you tell people where you live? I just did. If you don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I do. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. And I'm very much an Austinite. I was born and raised in Austin. So I kind of side-eye these people who have been here. Uh, me. Less than side -eye five. Me. <laughs> Well, not so much you, maybe. I, I think of you as an Austinite, but people who've been here, what, less than three to five years yeah. who act like they know everything know. about Austin. And I'm all, look, I was here in the early 80s before it was cool. Let me tell you what it's like. I mean, my dad, you know, they were, they've been here since the 60s. He will tell me stories of biking from like Lamar all the way to the Capitol when he was like, 12 years old for listeners who don't know that's like miles and yes, miles yes. and urban roads and he said it was like a small town so I just can't even imagine that is so crazy because now I mean we live almost to dripping Springs, so you and I are like on the opposite right. sides of Austin yeah um and we we joke now I don't know if you guys say this because we've been here eight and a half years and we were in Austin for most of them until just now a year and a half ago we moved out here but we say things like is anyone going into town today like we're like out in the sticks and we aren't really but it's a drive to get in because of the dang traffic because of all the new people moving here right i mean austin has exploded faster like the population has exploded faster than its infrastructure and so it creates this horrible traffic and we're the exact same way because we have to go through round rock oh, which yeah. is 
which if you, anybody's ever been here, Round Rock is like, I mean, the sixth circle of hell when it comes to traffic. <laughs> because it's exploding <laughs> be as well. I mean, yeah. did I hear oh, that it was like one of the most moved to cities, like in some kind of in poll? The country. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the country. So we have to go, we have to decide, are we going to go through the gauntlet of Round Rock in order to get to Austin? A lot of times it's like, nah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. You know? We'll, we'll just eat out here somewhere. Well, Georgetown We're is super fine. cute. And I think I've told you before that my hairdresser is in Georgetown, which is crazy. I know. But so when you only <laughs> get your haircut once a year, you can make the drive. It's fine. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Georgetown is very fun. And I mean, I can go into why we even moved here. But one of the reasons is we love small towns. So mm. we love it. Mm. Okay. So before you were in Georgetown, uh, I'm going to mess up the timeline, but you have been in Oregon. Yeah, we lived there for three years. After we moved home from being overseas for a while, we lived there to be part of a nonprofit ministry organization that was based in Central Oregon. However, my husband Kyle is from Oregon, so okay. it kind of worked out well that we we're moving close to that side of the family. Okay, but you told me that you and your husband met in Kosovo. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. So okay. Kosovo. Wait, can I tell you something real met. quick? Yes. I read this about you, and I went to my big world map that's hanging in our game room and i still cannot find it yeah well that's because it's the size of rhode island so <laughs> and i, most I even people... <laughs> looked on the computer and then went back to the map and i still can't find it right no that's okay most people can't it is the former yugoslavia which i know some people still look at me like yeah i don't know what that is <laughs> it's north of greece uh-huh. and if you see countries like serbia bosnia yes. croatia yes. It's all in that mix. It's actually, it's only officially been a country for the past few years because it used to be part of Serbia. And that's what the whole conflict was about. Like, are we our own country or are we part of Serbia? And so it's a little tiny dot that honestly you drive through and you miss it. Last I heard, there were only 2 million people that lived there in the whole oh, country. Yeah. So it's, it's a little guy. So if my map was made a long time ago, could it be true that it's not even listed there? Yeah, 100%. That's what I'm going to go with. I think that's why I couldn't yeah. find it. It probably just says Serbia then. Or even if it was before the 90s, it's going to say Yugoslavia. Okay. It did not say that, but I did see Serbia. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So That's where it is. you and your husband are both Americans and you met in this country that I can't even find on my map. How did that happen? <laughs> well, um, this was for me, it was right after college. I graduated from UT, University of Texas, and I knew I wanted to get involved in something overseas. I had been overseas before. I loved it. I had a double major in English and anthropology, and I was fascinated by other cultures. And so I decided to take on this, I guess you could call it job position, but it was honestly a ministry where I had to raise support and um, join a team for a year helping Albanian teenagers learn English. So this was in in 1999, Slobodan Milosevic, uh, the dictator, was ousted out of power by uh, American forces, largely NATO, Mm -hmm. basically. And so there was this big conflict. There was a major genocide that had happened. And so the Albanian people who are the majority there became you know, free again. And so they were allowed to go to school. They hadn't been allowed to go to school for many years. They, it was almost like they lived underground. And so they were, I guess you could call it quote behind in mm-hmm, a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, learning. And so I was filling a need by helping teach English so that they could kind of fast track their way to a place where they could potentially do things like apply to go to college. And so I had moved there to join another American family on their team who lived in a tiny little village in a tiny little country. And my purpose was basically to see if this is what I wanted to do full time. And then Kyle came similarly, um, but with the construction angle, he is a former contractor. And so he was there to help rebuild houses. And then y'all met and fell in love or was it like you met? 
We met, we met on August 1st, 2000. Like we know exactly okay. the day and we know exactly the spot on the road. I talk about that in my book. Like there's a particular, you know, imaginary X on this dirt road where we met. And we both can say, looking back that we just kind of knew, you know, like we're those people that was like, you have this hunch, but we didn't fall in love instantly. Not at all. Like we stayed in, I actually went back to the States for a while to raise more support and I waited tables, Kirby Lane. Oh, there you and go. Yeah. And Kyle stayed in Kosovo and we just kept in touch, emailing a little bit back and forth. He technically had a girlfriend. Oh, I love these I, stories. <laughs> right. It gets juicy. And and so we just we did not think of each other in that way, literally. But we can both look back and say, ah, there was a spark yeah. that we you know how that is. You can't hide a spark. Right. It just keeps going. Right. OK. When you were talking about um, the people living underground, you know, what it made me think of uh-huh. not literally underground, but you know what I mean? It made yeah. me think of that TV show, Kimmy Smith. Did you watch that? Yes. Did, the bunker. Did you like it? <laughs> I, I love that show. It's hysterical to me. <laughs> I only watched a couple of episodes just because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I thought it was hilarious as well. Um, yeah. And no offense to the people that you're working <laughs> with by any means, um, but it made me think about that. Um, yeah. Also, to you and the listeners, do you hear my voice? This is like yeah. allergy attack. Are you dealing with this in Georgetown? I, my kids are one of my kids are in oh particular. My gosh. I, I know people are. Yeah, this is crazy. And when I worked in radio for a small stint, this was around this time. And I remember feeling like, how can I even speak into a microphone when I sound like I've been smoking for 45 years? <laughs> um, but anyhow, OK, so y'all met in Kosovo, which is exciting. And then where does your love story start in America or in Kosovo or where? Sort of. We both were conveniently planning to come back to the States around the same time anyway, separately from each other. And we did that whole just a friends dance uh-huh. that we, we would call it. We all know that. that. Yes. Yeah. Right. And we never dated while we were in Kosovo. We hung out all the time and everybody was looking at us like, yeah, right. we know what's going on. But when I, I came back to Austin, Kyle came back to Oregon. And a few days later, he emailed and asked if I'd like to come up to Oregon for New Year's. So that this was, was right more around. than just friends. Right. I mean, that doesn't just happen. So I bought a ticket. I went up to Oregon and we started dating on January 1st of 2002. And then we, he moved to Austin March 1st. We of got that engaged. year? Of that year. Y'all were not moved. playing around. Well, here's the thing, because then we got engaged June 1st and then we got married November 2nd. So everything happened really fast. But the thing is that we tell people is that whenever you're in a cross-cultural context, Things get, it's almost like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Um, You know, everything happens in a much more intense way and you really get to know somebody well, their faults, their, Uh you know, what, what their strengths are. And we got to know each other really well. And plus, it's not that we were old, but we, I was 25 and he was 24 and we, you know, there was no like reason to wait around. It's not like we were still in school. We just knew. And so we were ready. And you knew each other for a long time. I mean, you know, as friends, which makes everything better because it makes everything better. Marrying a friend is awesome. You know, it's awesome. Yep. Um, okay. So traveling has always been a part of your world, it sounds like. And um, I got the privilege, which I'm sure thousands upon thousands of people also did, of following you. Um, what year was that that you guys did your travel around the world? We did the 2014 15 school year. Okay, 2000, so not too long okay, ago. Okay. Not too long yeah. ago. Yeah. And I remember following that along. Um, you know, I think I, w- I want to talk a lot about the traveling stuff. And I'll tell you like a quick thing when I had, because I think this applies to a lot of my listeners. So, when I had my first child is when I thought, oh, I'll never like travel that much more because now I'm a mom. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you just think everything stops. 
Um, And I remember when I had my second child, he was not even a year yet. And I went on a trip to Haiti, which was just not even like a vacation. It was like a mission trip. Um, And it was one of the most, like I would say one of the most monumental trips in my life. Um, It changed our family forever, obviously, because we have two kids from there now. But it was the first time that I ever felt like, okay, I don't have to give this up just because I'm a mom. And for sure, again, I was my husband wasn't with me. I was alone. So that was another kind of like out of the comfort zone type of thing for me because now I'm a new mom and all these kind of things. But Aaron and I also like we love to travel. We love, 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 love. In fact, we just booked a trip to Ireland, which is you've been. I need you to tell me about it. But a lot of people that I'm sure you've talked to and a lot of people that may be listening today think I'll travel when my kids are older or I can't really travel anywhere but Disney World with my children. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Which we've never done that. So well, here's the thing that I think a lot of people think they think they don't know what they don't know. And so that is so true. We tend as people to assume the worst, which in some ways is accurate. But the thing about kids is they're so malleable. They're so adjustable. And usually we don't give them credit for how well they adapt to things that we as adults have a harder time that kids become better travelers the more they travel. Mm. And so if you start them early on with just this is what it's like to sit in the car for a long time, this is what it's like to take a long haul flight, then I'm not saying necessarily it's the same as traveling without kids, because I will still tell you it's better to travel without kids. It's more fun. (laughs) I yeah. But they become good travelers. Yeah. So that now, like we just, a few weeks ago, we took a long haul flight and our kids were fantastic. There were no screens, which I mildly was like, oh no, nine hours, no screens. They just were like, okay, we do our thing. And so that's only because they've had a lot of practice. Yeah. So that's what I tell people a lot whenever they are scared at the thought of traveling with kids is that a lot of times it's because they just, you haven't I don't want to say you haven't given them a chance, but they just haven't had the experience yet and they get better as they go. That's so true. Okay. Well, let's even go back a bit further because I think before you can travel with your kids, you have to see a value in it. Right. And not just like traveling to grandma's house, which is amazing as well, but literally letting your kids see parts of the world that they might not otherwise see. And so we're talking around the world, but also here in the States, right? Like we, we took a trip last summer in an RV, which have you ever done that? Yes. Yes. Mildly. Okay. (laughs) So we have been waiting until our youngest got a little bit older to where everyone could Mm -hmm. be like responsible for themselves. And it was one of our best, best vacations ever because we're stuck in an RV for a week and we went out West Texas, which I had never really explored much. And it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So before we can like even feel like, oh, can we do this? Where did you and Kyle, where did that value come of travel? Because I can tell that you have it. Kyle and I both growing up hardly traveled. Okay. the the farthest I went as a kid was Colorado from Texas. Uh-huh. And Kyle actually, he went up to Alaska in Oregon, um, but that was the farthest he had ever been. Most of his travels were spent, you know, in the West, the Pacific Northwest. So both of us just innately had this yearning to explore more of the world just out of curiosity. When I was 15, I went to Russia and it was with my youth group at the time, but it was a big leap. You know, this was right after the Iron Curtain fell. And looking back now, I can see like, wow, my parents were pretty cool with a 15-year-old going to a post-Soviet country right after, mm-hmm. you know, everything happened. And so for me, that just, it whetted the appetite to see more, learn more, do more. And so for for both of us, we just have this innate desire to explore, you know, what God is doing all over the place on our own. And so it worked out well that when we came together, we both had that 
priority, that value on our own. And so it just became a natural outpouring of our family's ethos. Like, of course, we're going to value this and prioritize this. And of course, we don't do it as much as we want because real life and money and, (laughs) and school and all that stuff. But um, yeah, that that's just one of the reasons that it became what it was is because it's just in us anyway. That's awesome. I I feel like that people can develop that because I know some people might be listening and thinking, well, that's cool, but I really don't care, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that can be developed as well because it was developed in you guys, even though you didn't travel much as kids. I didn't travel much as a young as a child either. My parents, I mean, we went to visit grandparents, but because a lot of hindrances, you know, that we didn't do that. Um, but Aaron and I really have a value with that for our family as well. Okay. So the values there now, like after you had kids when they were smaller, I know you just did this around the world trip, but have you guys always traveled with your kids even when they were younger? So we moved to Turkey when That's right. my yes. oldest, we can't forget yes, that. My, yeah, we moved to Turkey when my oldest was two and my middle guy was born in Turkey. So he had not even been to the States until he was almost a year old. And my daughter, by the time she was three years old, had already been on 60 planes and I think nine different countries. And so she, that was just normal to her. In fact, looking back, we, we talk all the time about like the, you do realize I had gone to Colorado by the time <laughs> right. I was 18 years old. Yes. You have been to Kazakhstan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so to them, it was just sort of what they knew, but my youngest Finn, he was born here in Austin and had not traveled overseas. I want to say till, I don't remember. He was a couple years old and it wasn't even any big trip. So his first major foray into cross-cultural travel was this big trip of ours when he was four. Got it. Got it. Um, and so you had a four-year-old. Wow. That is yes. a hard age, I think, to be traveling. You know, I just, <laughs> you know it what? just hit me. Yeah. Well, except here's, here's my experience. I don't know if this is yours. I find the hardest age to travel with kids is between age one and three. And that's because they want to explore everything. They want to be everywhere. They don't want to just sit in your lap yet. They have no filter. Yeah, it's exactly you know, right. They, yeah. <laughs> they just do their thing. Something magical, at least for my kids happens around age four where yes, they're still interested in everything, but they can at least be told, okay, you're sitting in the seat or, <laughs> right, right. Know, here is a book to look through. Here is a screen. I mean, honestly, those screens on the back of seats are magic. And I have no problem saying that. And I don't know, it becomes considerably easier when they turn four. That's true. That's true. Um, Okay, so you decided to take this around the world trip, which to some of us that are listening are like, man, what a dream. I wish I could do that. Let's just tackle this first. How did you guys think you could do this financially? Yeah, we, we looked at our finances, both. First of all, we do our work location independent. So we can work literally from anywhere. I'm a writer mostly, and I do my stuff online. Kyle was working for this nonprofit that we moved up to Bend for that we realized about six months into being there that, you know what, we could have done this job from anywhere. (laughs) Why didn't we make, why didn't we make this huge move? So he could continue to do that work. And plus it was kind of winding down a bit to where he was mostly helping me by that point. And so we could take our work with us. So we knew that that didn't mean we needed to save up for the entire trip up front because we would continue working as we went. This wasn't a vacation and it wasn't a sabbatical. However, we still needed to save up some funds for the the part of our budget that wasn't going to be replicated in real life. So we saved up the amount we we calculated we needed for long haul flights and for visas because those are the only two parts of our traveling life that wasn't similar to our normal life. So, you know, we had things like guest house fees. Mm -hmm. Well, 
in, in real life, we have rent or mortgage. Yep. We actually ended up selling our house, which we would have done even if we weren't traveling, which is why we did it. But we, we know tons of people who just Airbnb their house while they're gone yep. or sublease it. And so that part translates to guest house. Instead of having car payments or gas or insurance or tolls, we then had either metro fares, bus tickets, uh, sometimes a car rental, food, you got to eat food anyway, yep. no, no matter where you are. So a lot of it did not cost nearly as much as someone might think listening to the idea. You know, you know that's so true because literally breaking it down like that, it changes the way I was looking at it in my head because you're right. I'm thinking you went on a nine month vacation and when I go on vacation, I eat out every single meal, but that's not what you did. Not at all. In fact, there were a lot of times on our trip that we we called it low and slow. So there were three parts of our trip where we stayed somewhere at least a month. And almost every place we stayed in a guest house as opposed to a hotel so that we could have a kitchen. Yeah. And so at these low and slow places, we just did normal life. We caught up on school and work because we did get a little behind. It's just hard to do that while right. you're traveling, yeah. no matter why you're traveling. We cooked at home. We did regular life stuff just in this location. Yeah, we still went out and saw things just like as if we were living anywhere, but it was not at all vacation. Yeah. Well, that meant that helps out a lot. Whenever I travel with I when I used to travel with Aaron when he would be on work trips, um, mm -hmm. I'd be like, let's go do stuff. And he's like, I'm actually working. This is not a vacation. Um, right. So I understand that. Okay, so you started planning out this whole long trip. And how many countries did you guys visit in nine months? We went to 30. 30 countries. Yeah. I yeah. don't even know how now, many countries are in the world. Do you? <laughs> yeah, there's about 196 or 193, depending on who you ask. Okay. So we, we scratched the surface. So not even really a little bit. We went to 30 countries. Now, that sounds probably more impressive than it is because some of those, especially when you get to Europe, we spent the day. Like okay, literally the say, day. Yes. We didn't even spend the night there. So like we drove through Liechtenstein, for example. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So... You went to 30 countries, which I, I'm mm -hmm. glad you said that sometimes you were just there for a day because that just kind of seemed like daunting. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm like, I want to count up the number of countries I've been to and maybe it might be seven. I don't know. Um, sure. So you went to all these countries. What was your kid's favorite country that they went to? Well, it depends on the day that you ask them, you know, but um, my son says his favorite country was Australia and there's lots of reasons to love Australia. So I completely understand. He had his birthday there and his birthday is late December. So I think it was fun for him to have a summer for birthday. Sure, Yeah. So we went to the beach on his birthday and that was cool for him because he had never had that before. And I think that's why, I mean, he turned seven, so he's still pretty little, but uh, Sydney is a great city. That's where we were. And he just has fond memories. I think partly also that was one of our low and slow places. And he, they all enjoy the low and slow parts where we just chilled. Mm. And so that was his favorite. My daughter's favorite, you know what, my, my other two, my oldest and my youngest, they both love France. And they love France for the obvious reasons, you know, the Paris stuff, uh -huh. the Eiffel Tower. They love art museums, actually. But the main reason my daughter loves France is that was one of our low and slow places when we were in southern France. It's this tiny little village called Cadenet, 4,000 people. We stayed on an olive oil mill, a little guest house on there that was in the off season, and they were allowed to just explore. Mm. And so they had the run of these woods and this beautiful landscape, and they built what they called Terabithia. I write about it in the book, if you've ever read that children's I have, book, Terabithia. yes. Right. So they created their own little, we called it a home away from home away from home, uh -huh. you know, because they created their own little village. And we had friends with us at the time too. six weeks of this trip, we traveled with friends. And so that was when they were there. And they just love that, um, the memories yeah. of what they did back then. Were you constantly feeling like I need to take pictures of this? <laughs> 
we have two terabytes worth of footage. We <laughs> I don't know what that we, means, but I'm thinking it's a lot. It's like, you know, those hard drives you can buy separately. Uh-huh. We have two, we have two okay, of those got it. <laughs> full of video and photo footage. So I have, I'm, I'm scared to go there and try to curate what we have. Yeah. It's, I'm like, how a, do you make a photo book of that? You need like 30. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. We talked about like one photo book per country. I mean, seriously, how do we do this? We're not we're not even sure yet. I have not made the photo books yet, if if you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you have that, though. I mean, I think I would be one to take in in every single moment. Like, oh, look, everything. Smile. There's a duck. You know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's for sure. I mean, yeah. And yet here's the funny thing. Like sometimes we noticed. I don't know, about halfway on on the trip that the kids started being less impressed with some things that we were wanting them to be impressed with. And that was a bit frustrating for us as adults because we're thinking, you guys have no idea how amazing this is. And it was a life lesson for me and Kyle that this idea, we would start saying when everything's awesome, nothing's awesome. And it became this lesson of, you know, there are a lot of times in life when we need these low and slow moments where my day involves making soup, reading books to my kids, running errands. Those are important parts of life because when you're constantly seeing the Great Wall of China, snorkeling the Great Barrier Reef, going on a safari in Kenya, which we all did, they start kind of diluting each other. Mm. And it was a good lesson for us that like, honestly, this is not what life is made of. These big moments. Life is made of these small little everyday things that make life great. So did you and Kyle ever get that way or were you as adults could take in the awe of what you're seeing every time. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just read the audiobook uh, a few weeks uh-huh. ago. And so I was re-reminded of everything. I was surprised at how much I talk about how tired I am. Like <laughs> I'm just exhausted all the time. And so for me, it was a reminder that I was still in awe all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I am looking right at a giraffe that's out in the wild in Africa. This is not a zoo. This is amazing. Right. I, I, I did not lose that awe, but I was so tired mm. that that it kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I can look back and say, hmm, I think those low and slow moments were key to my sanity because I, as an adult, needed to just rest, yeah. you know, physically sleep. Well, I remember a lot from when you were journeying through that. But one thing I remember, and I have no idea why I remember this because it's just crazy, but I think it was like this little moment where you talked about, and it must have been through Instagram, I'm assuming, where you talked about, hey, just so you know, like kids are still kids. They're still kids no matter where they are. <laughs> and you talked about how we still have this some of the same struggles in parenting here just because we're like in Kenya on a safari that we would have at our home in Georgetown. Right. It was in New Zealand. I remember this specifically because the kids were driving me crazy uh-huh. because they still do that when you're traveling. If they do, especially when you're traveling, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, this is the farthest south we were going to be on the globe. And it was 10 p.m. at night and it still looked like noon. It was like, <laughs> yes. broad daylight. and I just wanted the kids to go to bed. I was like, guys, go to bed. Yeah. You know, thankfully, our guest house had blackout shades. So we just darkened it. And it was one of those moments I'm sure we've all had in parenting where you're just like, I cannot wait for these kids to go to bed and I need a glass of wine and I just need to sit right. and just be with my thoughts. And so that was when I Instagrammed this picture of me with a glass of wine, <laughs> just looking out at the sky that looked like daylight and just saying, guys, <laughs> this is still real life. Right. Kids are still, you know, difficult to handle. Of course, now they're older that it feels like a whole different parenting stage different. But these these kids at the time were nine six to seven and four. So they're still little, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's still, you're still doing the same thing. Um, I think that, you know, when you look about, about traveling for a whole year, um, the value has to be there or else I think it would get kind of old of like, I could be doing this in Austin and, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about 
bus passes or finding this or checking into <laughs> a new hotel, you know? And so I think that that value, I would guess, is probably what got you through some of those times. And, you know, the goods, there's two sides to every coin. Mm -hmm. The hardest part was the constant togetherness, but the best part was the constant togetherness. Like we we bonded so much as a family. We, the five of us have these memories that no one else on earth will have collectively. Mm. Like we, we have this thread now in the tapestry of our family's life that we will always be pulling out and showing our grandkids our you know we'll be telling stories Th- this was so great for our just clanness you know mm-hmm. being a clan and yet the day to day i mean this was a legit the years are what is that saying the days are long but the years are short right. the days were so long uh-huh. you know i mean it was there were times when we stayed in a one bedroom guest house so that meant Not we were for all a month together. though right no. Okay. <laughs> no, we would never do that for a month. But there were times when we just stayed in a teeny tiny, tiny place and we were just constantly together. And that's just how we made it work. Yeah. You know, we, we did this frugally. This was not a luxury trip at all. So, yeah. Okay, guys, before we get back to my conversation with Tish, I want to tell you about two things. First, prep dish. Prep dish is a great sponsor of this show. Um, and what's so cool about prep dish is here's a little logo for you shop once. Prep once, eat stress-free meals all week long. Prep Dish is a healthy meal planning service. Uh, right now, they're offering Happy Hour listeners a $4 trial, which is about a dollar a week, guys, to get great meals planned for you, a shopping list, a prep list, and then you get it all done, put it in the fridge, and it's ready for you for the entire week. Go to prepdish.com slash happy hour, all lowercase to get the deal. This week, I'm going to be making some shrimp avocado and grapefruit salad macadamia crusted chicken with napa cabbage slaw and beef fajitas with guacamole you guys it doesn't get better than that prepdish.com slash happy hour guys i also want you to help me out with something in order to support this show the happy hour we need some help of some great advertisers and in order to find great advertisers we need to learn a little bit more about you the listener so that we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are so guys i have a favor to ask will you take five minutes and go and do a survey for me it's super easy it's podsurvey.com slash Jamie. It's going to take you about five minutes. We just want to get to know you better. That way we can find advertisers that are well-matched to you, your interest, and the show. Plus, the people over there at the survey company are going to give you a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Plus, I told you that over on my Instagram, I'm going to give away some stuff as well if you do the survey. Guys, even if you've taken another podcast listener survey before, this one is different because it's specific to the happy hour. So I would love all of your help. Remember, it is podsurvey.com slash Jamie. Follow me on Instagram. You'll find it there. Check out the show notes. It's going to be there. Guys, thanks for helping us find the best advertisers so that we can always keep this show free for you. Okay, back to my conversation with Tish. Well, I'm sure that you talk about so many of these things in your book, At Home in the World, and it actually releases pretty soon. Uh, What did I read? April 18th. Yeah, very soon. Very soon. Are you excited to get these words out? I am because this book means so much to me. And I I legit really like this book. And I think, you know, the past few books I've had released, by the time it comes out, I'm already like ready to move on with the message. Not that I don't stand by it, but it's just one of these like I have mentally moved on to my next project. This book I'm still so passionate about and so love 
just sharing with people the story of what it's like, you know, this is a memoir. This isn't a, this isn't a prescriptive book. It's Mm -hmm. all descriptive. It's a book you, you know, read, you take with you to read by the lake while your kids are swimming kind of book. And it's a good book club book, that sort of thing. So it's a fun story, but, um, I, I am so excited. And then also it just feels like, hasn't this book already come out? Like (laughs) I can't believe, I can't believe it's not out yet. It's almost like you gave us your personal journal to read. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of what it is. It's a lot of my personal thinking. I wrote it, you know, I don't know if, if maybe the literary nerds would notice this, but I wrote it in the present tense and I did that on purpose. At first I was writing the book in the past tense and I went back and rewrote the whole thing because I wanted people to feel like they were coming alongside Mm. that they weren't, you know, past tense started feeling like I was showing a boring slideshow of like, and then we did this. Uh But present tense meant, you know, I'm saying strap on a backpack, come with me. You don't have to buy a plane ticket. You can just, you know, sit in your cozy armchair in your living room and travel the world. So, well, I think what people what I'm going to love about this book and I have a copy here in my hands right now that I'm going to dive into soon. But what I'm going to love about it is I love when people take us like on their own personal journey. Um, I love memoirs. It's my favorite kind of book. Um, But I like there are certain books that I've read that I remember places that they talked about in the book that they went. And so this is like an entire book of that. So I know I'm going to love it. An entire book of it. To me, setting in a book, like in novel, fiction or nonfiction, setting matters a whole lot. It's almost its own character. And so I feel like these different countries are a character in this book. You know, they, they play a vital role in everything we're learning about because the, I mean, like I said, it's, descriptive, not prescriptive, but the message a lot is about home can be anywhere Mm. and there's nowhere on earth that's perfect, you know, and that that's the homebodiness and wanderlust we all feel in our lives and sometimes feels like attention. They come from the same place. They come from a desire for perfection and this side of heaven, we're not going to find it. And so it's a lot about what I learned about the different types of dirt in the different countries, you know, what, what people are like, Mm -hmm. how the land affects these cultures and these peoples, because um, that's, you know, it affected me and it affected my view of home. I'm sure. Um, Have you been to Ireland? I have. Yeah. Okay. I just uh, yeah. I told you I'm going there this summer with Aaron for the first time. He's been two or three times. I've never been. And I'm super, super excited. I love Ireland. Some of the friendliest people in the world. I mean, seriously, such nice people. And the land is gorgeous. Are y'all going just for fun? Yes, just for fun. We're celebrating our 15th anniversary a year late, Yay! a year late, but we're doing it. And he likes um, to travel. So we love to travel and we do travel a lot the same. But when he goes to Ireland or when he's been in the past, he'll stay in hostels. Um, mm-hmm. And I said no to that. Am I bad? Is that okay? <laughs> no, that, that's a smart move. So I've stayed in, you know, we stayed in a hostel as a family in Singapore, and that was a great experience. I've had some not so good experiences in hostels because in specifically in Dublin. <laughs> okay, see there. Um, but that's, you know, that's painting a broad brush there. I'm sure there are some lovely hostels out there, but I am a guest house fan. That's I what like we're doing. Having... We're doing Airbnb good. the whole way. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm a we, huge Airbnb fan. We do that as well. We don't, we hardly stay in hotels when we travel uh, for personal reasons, for personal yeah. travel, not reasons, but right. uh, we love Airbnb. That's, how, that's what we do in Mexico. That's what we're doing there. And so he yeah. is planning this whole trip. He loves to plan trips. So, I'm going to actually give him your book, too, as well, because he'll devour it. But he loves yeah. to plan these kind of trips. And so he was showing me the other day, we're going to just, I think we're staying in just, we're there for maybe eight days. And I think we're staying in three okay. different cities just around the coast. And so, so we just will just stay in a guest house and just be in that city. Like that is just so fun to us. That's my favorite thing. You know, I feel like some some people have asked me, like, do you feel like whenever you're at a place, especially on a big trip like this, you just have to see everything because, oh, my gosh, you're there. Right. And are you ever going to be there again? I don't travel that way because I'll 
I'll be sucked dry yeah. and you start losing the joy of it. To me, what's more fun is just the being there and experiencing life there. And I would much rather do a few things deeper than skim the surface and do a lot of things, but an inch deep. You know we're, what I mean? We're the exact same way. Yeah. Except for if yes. we go to New York City on a trip, which we haven't done in a while, we come back exhausted because oh, yeah. because we think that we're New Yorkers and we think that we need to stay out. <laughs> Everything's open at like three in the morning. So we're like, we got to do it. We're here. And then yeah. we're exhausted. There, there are some places like that in my life too, where you love it so much. London is a place like that for me. I love London so much. It's my favorite mega city in the world. And I just want to take in so much of it and enjoy the fact that I'm there that I, I mentally just say, I'll sleep when I get home. <laughs> exactly and of right. course I, I always regret that. And that's never a good That's idea. exactly right. But you only live once, you know, here on earth. So yeah, there's that. So. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about this real quick because I have struggled with this. Um, I actually struggle with this a lot. Well, I should, let me rephrase this. I don't struggle as much now that my kids are older, but let's talk about reentry because mm -hmm. I used to struggle with this, Tish, even coming home from like a week long vacation with my husband or yeah. a weekend away working. Like I would even struggle with reentry coming back into real life. What was that like nine, nine months gone and then coming back to live, even reentry with your family and then just reentry in American life? Right. Well, you know, so that nonprofit I was telling you about that we moved to Oregon, part of that a huge part of that um, purpose of the organization is member care. It's helping take care of people who live cross-culturally. And part of that taking care is re-entry. Mm -hmm. And so it was front and center to us, this idea of how important, and plus from our experience in Kosovo and Turkey, what it, reverse culture shock and just getting back to quote normal life is and how bumpy that can mm. be. And so we knew it was inevitable. You know, it wasn't something to just hope it doesn't happen. Or if we talk through this enough, it won't happen. We knew it was just going to happen. And so what we decided to do is best, you know, land the plane as smoothly as we can and just hope for the best, but expect the worst. And that sounds really morbid, but honestly, it it was the summer we got back from our trip was harder than the previous, you know, nine months, however, of travel, like easily. And we were back here in the States, in my hometown. It was so hard. And so what we do, I have a list of questions that I actually have one of the freebies for pre-ordering the book is a travel journal that helps prepare the quote other stuff like the emotional mm. and the spiritual side of that. And so I share my, I think it's like 30 questions. And what we would start doing is about two weeks before the trip ended, we just started talking with the kids and we didn't even, they don't even know we were doing this. It was very casual. Right. You know, we're just walking somewhere or having dinner and we just start asking pointed questions like what was the obvious things, like what was your favorite thing from our trip? But, you know, what's one thing, what's somebody, what's a person that stands out to you? What, what um, part did you not like? What was challenging? What are you most looking forward to? We just started asking these little questions because the way I describe re-entry is unpacking a backpack. It's not trying to solve problems. It's not trying to heal deep wounds. It's just taking out what's in your backpack, what you collected on the trip and acknowledging it's there. And then, you know, kind of laying it on the bed, then pulling out something else and then laying it there. That's just what re-entry and debriefing is. And so to me, we do that no matter what. We do that whenever we just go somewhere for the weekend. But the how long we spend doing it directly corresponds to how long we've been gone. So if we're gone somewhere for the weekend, we just start talking like an hour before we get home. Mm. But on this trip, it was a full two yeah. weeks of starting to talk about the stuff. So yeah, it's a real thing. And um, it's important for everybody to know that 
that that's, that's doesn't mean you're a messed up person or, you know, what's wrong with you? Can't you just slide back into regular life? No, it's hard. Well, you know, that makes me think of two things. And one of them is I have, we have several friends that live um, in different parts of the country. Um, and some of our friends live in the Middle East and are coming home this summer for just a short period uh, to do some fundraising and visit family and stuff. And it makes me think about them and even how that reentry after being gone for two years is going to be so difficult. And for the first time, it made me think about their kids when you're describing yeah. that as well. Um, and then the second thing yeah. it made me think of is we have one of our kids just kind of struggles with expectations, change, all of those type of things. And so I have never thought about reentry for him ever until just now. And how sometimes when we get home from, like you said, a weekend, a trip, whatever, it seems as though he might be unhappy or mm -hmm. the end of the world or I hate my life, but maybe he's just struggling coming home. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's both a personality thing and just a, this is what travel is. Some kids, some adults have a harder time with change, have a harder time with adjusting. And sometimes, you know, my middle guy um, has sensory issues. And so he's a sensory seeker. He actually loves travel and loves all the input. When we come home, it's a challenge to get back to just yeah. sort of this is life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And th the first thing you talked about, especially when it comes to cross-cultural families, if you've ever heard the term third culture yeah. kid, yeah. that's where that comes from. Because once you live for a while in a different culture, a different country, you're never at home in your uh country that you're living, but you're never at home in your passport country anymore mm -hmm. either. Whatever country is on your passport, that never feels at home anymore either. So you become this third culture, this in-between place. Mm -hmm. And so there's this joke that these kids mostly feel at home on an airplane yeah. because that's what feels most normal to them. Kyle and I would joke back when we lived in Turkey that where where it feels most normal is at Ikea because <laughs> Ikea's all Everywhere. over the world are the same. <laughs> right. And they have those like fake living rooms that you can just go and you pretend like this is my nice organized clean life. And so we would go and we would just pretend to sit there and like, ah, oh, this feels like That's home hilarious. because this, this little showroom is the same in Dubai or the same in Sydney. Or the, yeah. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Yeah. That's hilarious. Do you know Tara Livesey? I know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She, I, we've met once. Perfect. Yeah. She talks a lot about this as well. And her daughter, uh, two of her daughters who lived in Haiti a long time are now here with families and kids and everything. Um, and I've heard her talk about that a lot as well. Just like it's a hard thing transition for her kids. And they've lived in Haiti for, you know, a long time uh, now, I think almost maybe 10 years. Um, and so yeah. some of her kids have lived their entire life, you know, in Haiti. Yeah. And so that transition is always hard. Um, so, well, thank you sure. for helping me realize that about one of my kiddos that I need to be more in tune when we come home from vacation or a trip or whatever mm -hmm. that. Well, and, and, you know, it's easy to think of the negatives of that, but honestly, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. It is showing kids another side of the world that, you know, we as adults, sometimes when we're shaken up about that, it is a hard, it, it becomes this weird reality that we have a hard time processing when we're giving our kids that opportunity to experience that earlier on, it becomes more normal. Mm -hmm. It helps them see that the world is full of different worldviews and a, a lot of gray, you know, yeah. not black and white, mm -hmm. a lot of, of ways of living that are fine. It's just a cultural thing. And the earlier we give that to him, I think it's a gift. I agree. In, in, a, in a different context, the first time we took um, one of our kids who wasn't born in Haiti to Haiti, he was probably, I don't know, eight, nine. Mm -hmm. And um, I expected to like have to answer tons of questions about poverty and what he was seeing. And Tish, we were blown away at the lack of questions, the lack of yeah. just, he just saw it for what it was. And it wasn't, 
like here we are. I remember the first time I went, you know, classic, never even left the country, never been to a third world country, never seen poverty. And I show up in Haiti and it was just like, wait, what? I mean, I was the classic, uneducated, naive white woman mm-hmm. in America, um, you know, 15 years ago. And but my son, I just saw him just kind of take it for what it was. Yeah. You know, when we went to Ethiopia on this trip, we met one of our kids that we sponsor through Compassion. Mm -hmm. We went to his village and I was curious how the kids would respond to that. Our kids as well. No, nothing at all. Like it didn't even cross their mind that this was a thing. Mm -hmm. When we went to his house, one of my sons and our sponsor boy, they just went outside and played soccer. And it was just, you know, this kid language Mm -hmm. of, you know, play. And that's universal. And I remember when we first moved back from Turkey, back to the States, my daughter was almost six. And she asked me one time when she was getting ready for bed, she said, Mom, are we the only Turks living in Austin? (laughs) And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And we got to talking and it turns out she thought she was Turkish. Uh-huh. She didn't realize, you know, we're not Turkish. Right. We're different. It just didn't cross her mind that, you know, we speak English in Turkey. We don't look like uh-huh. a lot of the Turks. We have different culture. They just don't see that like we think they do. And that's a gift. That's a cool thing. It is. I'll- it's a great experience. It is. Um, okay. I want to get to what you're loving and what you're reading, but you have like two new changes in your life and I'm not sure how or how recent the 1935 cottage changes, but you also have a puppy. You have two big things. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So you're remodeling so, a house and you got a puppy, which is like yeah, almost insanity. Insane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a death wish. <laughs> so we, we moved, I don't know, in September. So, you know, almost nine months ago, six, seven, whatever that is. I can't yeah. do math. We moved to a 1935 total fixer upper as in every single layer needs fixer uppering. My husband, Kyle, as I said, is a former contractor, so he can do it all himself, which is amazing and such a money saver. The downside of that, I guess you could say, is that it's just slower right. because he's doing it all himself. Yes. So we still live. I mean, it doesn't quite feel like indoor camping anymore <laughs> like it used to, yeah. but there's still like we have one bathroom for all five of us. I mean, our walls and our bedroom look like a prison cell. Like there's just a lot yeah. of just up in the airness. And that's okay because it means we get to live in a cute little cottage um, right on the Georgetown Square, oh, which we which is love. the cutest. So, yeah, it's very walkable. We walk everywhere, which you is could, a high value. You could probably ours. walk to my hairdresser because she works off the square. So there's that. I'm, we might have to find out I, who she is. There you so. go. Just go, head down to the co-op and tell Faith that I sent you. <laughs> Okay. Um, are you That's okay hilarious. with living in the madness? That's hard um, for me. So here's the thing. I'm okay with a little bit of it. Um, it's it's like the way I say it is I'm okay with it until I'm not, which right. I know is like the <laughs> Life, dumb answer. Yeah. But um, I'm okay with it. But I am very affected by my surroundings. I'm very um, like things like natural light, sound, um, colors affect me a lot. So there are times when I'm going to lose my mind. So a few weeks ago, we we went to Hawaii. Actually, do you know the Bethkeys, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke? I don't. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, we went to their house and they invited us to stay in this beautiful place. Um, and we had never been to Maui before and it was amazing. And it was such a good respite for my soul. And it made mm. me realize how important that is. So that basically what I need to do is take regular breaks. So like next week, we're going to go drive out to the hill country and look at blue bonnets mm. and get out in nature. And those kinds of things help my sanity in the mess yeah. of living in a construction site. Yeah, I'm sure. So, Where are y'all going in the hill country? Uh, we tend to do the Marble Falls, uh-huh. Lano, that yeah. direction, uh-huh. because it's just so beautiful out there. And we get barbecue and we do the whole thing. That's awesome. So. I stayed in Lano a couple weeks ago to do some writing and it was just a cute little town. I'd never stayed right. in Lano. Yeah. There's beautiful places out there. Yes, I like it. So cute. Yeah. Um, and a puppy. What kind of puppy? Yeah. 
She's a Wheaton Terrier, okay. which I had not heard of before, but a friend of mine suggested a Wheaton for our family for a lot of reasons. One of which is that she's cute and fluffy and fun to pet, but she doesn't shed. The best. Like, yep. it's, it's technically hair, not fur. I did not Ooh. know this. It's a special kind of puppy. That uh, So she's, she's fantastic for me because I hate shedding yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, and she's so sweet and such a great friendly dog that we now can't imagine life without her. But she was sort of symbolic for us because a puppy means not traveling as much. That's so true. And so we still plan to travel. We have parents here in town that are graciously into dog sitting. Mm-hmm. And they've said, you know, bring her over anytime you want to go somewhere. But we know of families who travel around the world like indefinitely with their dog. That's so- crazy. It's crazy to me, too, but apparently it can happen. So it doesn't mean never traveling well, again. Well, and here's what we do, too, when we travel, which I love this, is we find people who want to house sit for us. And so mm-hmm. we love young married couples who live in the city that we're like, hey, come out to our home. It kind of feels like you're in the country. You can right. have the whole place, drink some wine, watch my dog. That's all you have to do. And it works out That's perfect. Right. That's right. That's what we plan to do, too. Yep. There you go. Um, okay, Tish, what are three things you're loving these days? All right. So some of these might be kind of like, well, everybody knows this, but I still want to just tell you why I love it. Um, so for me, one thing that I'm loving right now is Stephen Colbert. Okay. I I love his show, but I don't really watch his show when it airs because I'm an old lady. I um, watch it just via YouTube, okay. the clips. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of restores my sanity. He's a great, um, he's great at making me laugh just when I need it. And I don't know, sometimes the news stresses me out. Mm -hmm. That's everything going on. Yes. Agree. And so he's like a pin, like that just helps diffuse the tension for me. I hear you. So I love Colbert. Um, the other one I love, do you, do you listen to Spotify at all? I don't. Okay. Well, I'm a huge Spotify fan. I I've been a monthly subscriber for a couple of years now, but they have a thing called discover weekly. And what that is, is every week on Monday, they create a pot, uh, a podcast, a playlist for you. And it's a playlist based on what you have been listening to lately and what they think you would like. And nine times out of 10, they hit it out of the park for me. It's a home wow. run. So this dis- yeah, Discover Weekly Podcast helps me discover new music. I love it. And I love music so much. And I love discovering new musicians that it this playlist helps me find all sorts of bands that I'd never heard of, but now I'm a huge fan okay. of. So love it. The third thing I love is <laughs> sounds so granola, but plantain chips. So I am on a whole 30 right now. Have you ever done a whole 30? Yes, I did it last year. And that's how okay. I drink black coffee now. Okay, great. Well, okay. I I'm not a big sugar addict. Like I can be okay without dessert, but I love my Carbs. tortillas. Yep, me too. Yeah, I'm not so I can I can actually do without gluten, but corn tortillas and tortilla chips. I mean, we live in Texas. Yes, Come on. Hello. So pl- plantain chips, which are basically the the plantain vegetable. I think they're vegetable. Maybe they're fruit. I don't know. Dried like a chip. And you find them. I know you can get them online, but I got them at the Whole Foods bulk section. Uh-huh. And they taste just like chips, the tortilla chips. And so I eat them with guacamole. And they have been my sanity saver on this Whole30 because I need my chips and guac. It's so true. And I love plantain yeah. chips. It's such a great um, substitution. It is. Yeah. So my, those are my three. Okay. Right I love now. it. And my daughter's allergic to corn. And so it's like, <laughs> there you yeah. go. So just yeah. bringing those with us everywhere is amazing. Smart. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I know you're a reader. What are you reading or what have you just read that you loved? Okay. I'm right in the middle of this book called The Year of Living Danishly. Have you ever seen this? No. 
Okay. I, I should have pulled up the author. I don't know, but you can find it, I'm sure. Yeah. And it, the Year of Living Danishly is a memoir about a British couple, a woman, it's written by her perspective, who moved to Denmark because he got a job uh, working for Lego. And so it is her experience starting in January all the way through of what it's like to live in Denmark. I've always been fascinated by Scandinavia. Uh It's one of the parts of the world I've never been to. And it's high, high, high on my bucket list. You know, Denmark is repeatedly, they have that happiness index, the world happiness, you know, it's always up there, like in the top three. And so I'm just fascinated by like, why do people love it? It's so cold up there. What? That can be so great. Half of your money goes to taxes. How is this a, a good place? But generally people are happy there. And so I was just interested in why, and that's what she was interested in too. So it's her memoir of living as a Brit expat in Denmark. It's really good so far. It's funny. Okay. I'm loving it. Her name's Helen Russell. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I love a good memoir. So that's good. It's a great one. I'll have to add that to my list. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, I love that. I always add, that's how I get so many new books is people tell me what they're loving. I know. Just just tell me what to read. Um, I just read Hillbilly Elegy and I can't stop talking about it. Have you read? It's on my list. It's like, I want to read it this spring. Yeah. So it's good. You think? I really, really liked it. Again, it's a story. It's story driven, his memoir. And that's, that's my thing. Uh, J.D. Vance wrote it. And it is the tagline is a memoir of a family and culture in crisis. And, you know, he grows up in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, it for me is one of those books that I look as kind of like a culture shit, culture identity shifting things for me, where I just see mm-hmm. into something that I could have gone my whole life and not known about it. That makes sense. Like the poverty stricken world that he grew up in. Um, yeah. So I, I've added it to like, here are the three books I think everybody should read. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard mixed things about that. Mostly good, but every now and then there's a few naysayers. What but are people naysaying about? I think what they're saying is like, don't think this is what everybody in Appalachia is like. But well, that's really, probably, you I can't, mean, that's true. And it's his story. That's I right. I mean, you can't argue with a memoir sometimes. Like, I hear that this could have been different for someone else, but this is what it was like for him. For sure. So, for sure. Yeah. Like, your memoir of traveling the world would be completely different than someone else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a very different experience than a lot of people did. And that's okay. That's this is what it was like for us. Is this a thing? You just said you've had a lot of different experience than other people. Is there like this whole community that you found that is literally picking up their bags and traveling the world? Oh, there's a lot out there. Like if you ever start looking like you can look up location independent or digital nomad, those kinds of things online. Tons of people are out there doing this with their kids. Like there are families that have not stayed in one place in 10 years and they just move around. And I get into that a little bit in the book, why we don't do that and why it's not for us, because Mm -hmm. we, we have just as much a need for roots. And I think there's actually a God given instilled thing, um, where we, we need community Mm -hmm. and we need stability. And for us as a family, we just can't find that constantly moving, but there are other families who do it and do well and they thrive. So, you know. It's, so it's for them. I know we're almost out of time, but you just said something that really sparked my interest when you said like the need for community. Was that yeah. re- was that hard for you guys? And did you expect it? You know what? It was hard ish, but we found it in lots of places around the world. There were okay. times when I was legitimately lonely because it was like, all right, you four people again. <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we've either knew of people already uh, just from our previous life of living Mm -hmm. overseas, you Mm -hmm. just start making connections or you just start making friends. I mean, honestly, there are so many friendly, hospitable people out there in the world that that's one of the best parts about it. We met some friends at a restaurant in Thailand and we ended up hanging out with them a few times. We went to their guest house, had a pool. So we spent the day with them. You know, it's like we would have never met each other otherwise. It was cool. It was really cool. 
Yeah, that's something I think that people would need to like think about as well. Like I'm going to not have this for a while and the loneliness as well. Um, yeah. But just looking around you and finding it. I'm I'm glad to hear that from you. Yeah. yeah Tish, for sure. thanks for coming on. It was so fun. I love talking with you. This was great. And I will put all the show notes up for everyone. And your book cover, I love, you know, you were with me when I was looking at book covers for <laughs> like, you saw my first reactions. Yes. Um, and I love a cover. So I love your cover. It's fabulous. Thank you. My friend Connie Gabbert is the artist behind it. She really? You know yeah. the person that did it. Yeah, she's from Bend. She's She does this for a living. She designs book covers. Oh. So I requested her and they said, okay. And so, yay. I know. I love it. Well, and your first book too, or well, not your first book because you have other books out, but Notes from a Blue Bike was a yeah. cute cover as well. She did, she did that one as well. See, Connie, look at her. <laughs> I know. I'm getting business for her. There you go. Now everyone <laughs> needs Connie in their world and their right. life. Um, I know, right? Um, okay, Tish, thank you so much. Thanks. It was so fun, Jamie. Guys, wasn't that a great conversation with Tish? First of all, I always love having other podcasters on because it feels like, ooh, another person in my industry. That's so fun. But I loved talking with her about traveling. It's got the travel bug in me. I know you might have gotten it in you. I hope, if nothing else, you see the value in getting out and see the world. If you don't have kids, man, pick up and go somewhere on the weekend when you're not working. If you do have kids, think, what can we do this year to invest in our kids' travel? Whether that's going to West Texas like we took our kids last summer or just going to the next state over or visiting a state park this summer or what about a national park? What about somewhere international? I love the way she broke it down to say, hey, here are the expenses that we needed and we knew what needed to save up. I loved her thoughts on reentry, hearing what her kids loved about their travels and their low and slow moments while traveling. I think I want to enforce low and slow moments every Saturday around here. Oh, wait, that's right. We have 48 baseball and softball games on Saturdays. Uh, we can't do that. Although I do love baseball season. You guys know that about me. Guys, don't forget Tish's new book, At Home in the World. It comes out April 18th. But guys, you can always pre-order the books and then they just magically show up on your doorstep that day. It's amazing and so much fun to get a book you might have forgotten you ordered. As always, we have all the links to get all the things we talked about and especially her book over on my webpage, jamieivy.com. Guys, today's show was edited by Logan Garza and the music is from Jason Poe. If you missed our happy half hour last Friday, my friend Logan Wolfram joined us and it's worth a good 30-minute pick-me-up and laughing session and laughing because she's about to take a class from Steve Martin, like the Steve Martin. I think that's just so much fun. Next week, Jenny Randall joins me on the show. And all I can tell you is that at one point, she was making me do creative exercises with noises. You're going to have to listen to find out. It was actually a lot of fun. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Go take my survey and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys next week. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.